There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast when even if you don't have a game to play, you've got game. What? <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, we are going to have another episode of Iron Fringeworthy. Bang. And we don't have bad lip-syncing to go along with it, though. Well, you so. were supposed to do that. I, I thought you guys were going to jump in there. Anyways, guys, um, what we're doing is uh, this is our second time we're doing this. And I, as far as I can tell, we're following the same format, which is that each one of our hosts is going to be given three things to make a Fringeworthy episode about. And then we're going to go off the air, at least, you know, not for you, but for us, for 30 minutes and let us do our very best to come up with a decent start to an adventure. And then we'll come back and discuss the, each of our efforts and uh, perhaps suggesting better improvements. And then maybe this time everybody will, they finish their adventures mm -hmm. and bring them, uh, bring them back and we can post them on our website, on Facebook or wherever else we want to put them so that you guys can get the benefit of these free episodes. So, yep. and uh, you guys are always welcome to try to get in on this too, because you know, we, uh, we're glad to take your suggestions on uh, Iron Friends with the episodes. And, um, uh, and you can even come on as a guest host and see if you can play it with the big boys, design it with the guys who've been doing it for 35 years. So, anyways. Yeah, yeah and, and maybe you can challenge one of the Iron, Iron Fringe with the designers. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, we put together our suggestions uh, online on Facebook. And, uh, John, you want to read those off for us? As I know you have that right hand. Oh, yes, I even made a list. Uh, so I submitted, uh, well, well this, let folks know, uh, the Iron Fringe Worthy, basically we're, we have three ingredients, a person, a place, and a thing. Uh, the, the, each game, each of our hosts came up with, with something, and it could be random, like mine was random, uh, or they said they picked on purpose. Uh, mine was all random. I used an app called Fig, uh, the fiction idea generator. It's available on the iOS and that's why you get, that's why I get those weird names for you there, Trav. Uh, <laughs> and I call it semi. I and I call it semi-random because I I do look and say no, no, do it again, yeah, and take it say I like. So, so uh, but so we have four four selections. Unfortunately, Peter can't make it tonight. He's he's uh, he's busy. 
but uh, we'll read off his as well. So I submitted my three things. My person is Kieran Shaw, a male, a Scottish lad. Uh, the place is Sicily. And the thing, a poster of a very old ship. Mm. Peters, his person is Abraham Lincoln. His place, a haberdashery. And the thing, a Zippo lighter. Uh, hmm. Some people might not know what a haberdashery is. A hat shop. Actually, no, a haberdashery is more than just a hat shop because they also make hats. So a hat maker and seller. Seller, yeah. yeah. Uh, Trav, he, he had uh, three things. And his, his person is Abigail Morse. A 20-year-old girl. So, what age maturity is, what, 40 or 50? Well, just, it. I you put mail for your thing. <laughs> I'm just ripping you, Trav. <laughs> uh, his place is a modern skyscraper. And his thing is a cameo necklace. And Bruce, our, 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 our wonderful host... Uh, his person is Frank Lloyd Wright, architect. Place, Mammoth Caves. And the thing, a church bell. And, uh, but, and the basic rules are, these things have to feature prominently in the scenario. This can't be, oh, and there's you know, blah, blah, blah. No, they have to be a plot point in the scenario. So we have four things and three people. Mm. Oh, gosh, so, let's see. So do you want to write, roll dice dice off for this? or? Yeah, well, why don't you just go ahead and roll for each of us, whoever has a die handy. I have my I have my all dice with me, so I can roll a D, D6, and we'll see who gets so. So I roll for myself. I got a one. I'll, roll, I'll go in screen order. So, Bruce, you get a six. And, Trav, you get a four. So it's Bruce, Trav, me. Okay, and then, uh, all right, so then uh, you two roll off to see which one of you gets to pick. Oh, okay, let me... No cheating now. I rolled a five. I rolled two. <laughs> like, really? Okay, so, so Trav, you, uh, you get to choose what I'm going to do. Yeah, you can't oh, choose his. You can't choose his. Right. All right, so, so you got three other choices. Suck it to me, man. Suck it to me. Suck it to me. Suck it to me. Uh, Blix's choices then. Lincoln haberdashery zippo lighter. Okay, I'll just copy that. I actually made a little list here. I was I was organized. Bang! There we go. All right. So I guess then I choose next for Trav. Then right. Yep. Okay. Well, you liked my you liked mine so much last time. You get mine. <laughs> you complained about. I will give you. you know, oh, okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then Bruce, you get to suck it to me. All right. I'm gonna definitely go with mine. All right. Maybe not my first time with Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> Does his wife know about this? <laughs> Uh, was he married? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, he, he's the kind of man. You know, he's the kind of man when he built houses, he put the furniture in, and said the furniture's got to go here. 
I don't see this guy getting married. <laughs> or at least staying happily married very right, long. Yeah. <laughs> well, historically, men married. So I'd say the yeah. odds were in favor of him being married. But, you know, yeah. that's for you to figure out, sir. That's, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's an actual historical character, yeah. just like I've got Lincoln. So you're going to have to deal with it. All right, so everybody, we're going to go ahead and pause our recorders. Yeah. All right, we're back, uh, and we have got some amazing adventures for you, and hopefully it'll be something you all want to play. So, uh, uh, again, these are going to be relatively short, though, of course, they can be fleshed out into major-type adventures. So uh, any of you guys burning to start off? Me, 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 okay, me, get, me, me. Go to a trap. I love it when you get excited. Oh, it's that manic, aspy hyper-focus. Yeah, okay, here we go. Now, remember, folks, mine was Kieran Shaw, Sicily, and a poster of a very old ship. Here we go. Now, is Kieran Shaw an actual historical person, or is that just a name? It's just a name. Yeah, That's... he did, like, a random generator, and it just came up Kieran Shaw. Okay, go on. All right. The IDET is escorting Kieran Shaw, a pharmaceutical chemist who had alt in need of a medicine that had never been devised on that particular earth. The world's population was suffering from an epidemic, and the IDET had stopped on that world, returning from a previous mission. The portal opened in modern-day Sicily at the southeastern foot of Mount Etna near Asriel on the Ionian Sea. Asriel was hard hit by the epidemic with widespread suffering. The city, once known for its carnival season, is now somber. Kieran has a lab set up in the Church of St. Dominic, Piazza San Domenico, and will be busy working on that medicine. The IDET will be providing humanitarian aid until Kieran completes the medicine, then they'll administer the medicine. As the team is rendering aid, a scream of alarm is heard. And I'm going to probably mess up this uh, Sicilian name, but the team heads to the Accademia dei Daphnizi at Degli Zelanti, the oldest academy in Sicily. A painting had been stolen, that of a sailing ship from the Byzantine era when the city was called Jachium. As the group investigates, more screams are heard than automatic gunfire. The team rushes outside to see Coptics speeding away in a local's car. The IDET must get the painting back. The Coptics have probably stolen it to replace one lost on negative 140 prime. Can the IDET catch the Coptics before they make the portal where the IDET knows an ambush awaits? Okay, so my first question is, why do they have to get the uh, get the painting back? Well, I mean, um, the Academy, it's one of the oldest in Sicily. It's a prized painting. It's from the Byzantine era. It's very, it's of historical significance to that city. Okay, but I'm just saying they're going to risk their lives for a painting, right? So, so there's going to be some real, you know, like, art lovers in this group, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it is a prize painting of the people of Asriel. That that academy that I had read the name of. I'm not doing it again. Right, rewind and hear it again. But that academy is the oldest art museum on the entire island. So their treasures there. Those paintings would be very not only expensive but also very historically wanted desired and it's from the, the byzantine era when you know that was you know what thousand years ago 1500 years ago so it's part of the history when when the city was named jachium and wikipedia is our friend here and so it would be a matter of 
the city would want that painting back. Okay. Well, uh, the reason I'm asking the question is is that you said he's there to you know develop a drug that was never developed because they're in the middle of a plague. Yes. So he's coming there, but does it, you know? Does he, is he bringing like Mister Drug? You know, the the handy dandy drug manufacturing machine with him. Well, I mean, yeah, he could have Termellon technology with him, like um um. um no, I'm blank. Doc box. Thank you. Yes, a doc box which would generate that medicine. It's just on this particular world, this particular drug for the medicine was never developed historically. Just I don't think the doc boxes do that, by the way. I think they treat they one know. person at a time, but it wouldn't help as far as producing a large supply well, of drugs. Well, he could bring a PL6 chemical lab. Right, but but, but l- l- listen to me for a second. This is what I'm trying to get to, which is is that, okay, you know, maybe, you know, using some a few things that he has, he would be able to go ahead and start manufacturing of this drug within a short, relatively short period of time. But there's a whole issue about it acceptance of the drug about um, uh, getting it you know uh, getting it transmitted getting it uh, uh, spread out all over the country you know there's a whole lot of stuff having to do with the delivery of the drug that requires local cooperation and and possibly local finance so doing something like getting back one of the most prized nationally recognized paintings from a bunch of robbers, Especially if, if, if no one else, if they disappeared and no one knows how to find them because they went onto the French pass. This might be the team's way of basically getting that local support, even national support, so, so that they can pr- push their agenda forward and get their their project moving in the direction they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if they, and it sounds like they already are making vaccines, they just don't know how to approach this one plague. So maybe. He has, you know, because basically this, you know, just using PL6 stuff doesn't help. It's using, you know, teaching them how to do this stuff is what it will help. So he's maybe also a long line of, of um, uh, what's the right word? Uh, it basically not only making this stuff for them, teaching them how to make, make their own and how to do it themselves. Uh, what's the circa, uh, the, the, the uh, apparent year for this place? Modern day Sicily, it's just... Yeah, the world never happened upon this medicine, and this sickness is just ravaging this world. Or, or the sickness. Or, so it opened yeah. on Sicily. Oh, you know what? Here's something you can toss in. You know, the, 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 hey, the Coptics, I wouldn't put it past them bringing along a, a, a freezer chest full of frozen viruses. Oh. Because <laughs> we know those go through the portal just fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this could be actually a virus that never appeared on this world. Would never appear. It's it's actually they're doing viral warfare, and they just and all you really got to do is, is make sure you just defrost and, and make sure you find the right vector and host, and there it goes. And these people are too worried about plagues to worry about guarding the the, the museum. And maybe it's not just the one picture; it's the one picture. It matters, but they may be taking more than one picture. You know, this sounds like an art heist. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's why I put that this picture was from the Byzantine era, and on the Coptic world, the you know art gets stolen mm. by thieves all the time. I mean, I'm sure that you know we've had paintings throughout our history that were in a in a museum and lost. Well, this one happens to be have been lost on Coptic Prime, and so they're getting this copy from an alt to bring it back for their collection. That's why. Well, yeah. 
and but yeah. any others that that catch their eyes too. You'd met, you met, you know, because they won't be all the same. You know, it's probably it probably is not an exact match, but it's close enough. Yeah, they're not going to get art. It's like, oh, it looks like, yeah, that's good. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Well, you know, this is modern day, and they do have experts who know how to tell art. I mean, they may, they may not have, you know, scanning electron microscopes, I mean, depending on how modern day it is, but, you know, they certainly would be able to do chemical tests to, uh, you know, authenticate the, you know, the, the painting. They're not carbon dating. What's the other one? Or no. Yeah, it would be carbon dating. It's, actually, that's in the range. A thousand years, it's, that's in the range for carbon dating. Yeah, because I was thinking of the later dating, and that's potassium argon, and that's like tens of thousands mm-hmm. of years. That's going back even farther. Right, but when it comes to art, a lot of times, you know, the way that they identify them is because, you know, everyone sees the picture of art. And, you know, they see the art. But what they don't see is what is the rest of the piece of art that they don't see. In other words, the part that's hidden by the frame. And a lot of times there's marks, there's stains, there's tears, there's all kinds of things that if the if the curators keep it on the QT, then robbers or forgers, they don't know, you know, what that is. And so when you bring in a fake painting, as long as no one checks that stuff, but as soon as they do, they say, oh, well, it's, it's, it has to be a fake because all these, you know, tells are not there anymore. And of course, well, usually on a on a like a, an alt, if the painting had the same history as the previous, then it would be undetectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, thinking about it, you know, because uh, most Byzantine artwork of the period was religious artwork, and it's about a boat. You know which boat it is, don't you? It's the boat that Jesus rescued by walking on water. So it's a religious pitch. It's basically a religious painting of Jesus rescuing the boat. So him, him approaching the boat with Peter and the other disciples on it. Yes. So it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's in that point it becomes religious. Icon, icon, I can't say the word. Icon, iconographic. I uh, can't say it. Yeah. Iconocry. Icon, if, if you want to do. Icon, yeah. Iconocry. It's basically, it's, 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 it's not just a painting. It is, it's not just a painting. It's 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 actually a bit. It's a it's a religious icon. Yeah. And they and so yeah, you bring that sucker back, you're gonna be in a favor not just with the uh, the city. You're being fair with the church. Oh well, yeah, because you know <sighs> Sicily, they're you know good good Roman Catholic people. Yeah, you do that, you're in like Flynn, as they would say. Right, and it's and like I say, it's important because someone coming out in with out of nowhere with no kind of background or um, you know history as a researcher and says, oh yeah, I've got this thing here, man. Just go ahead and inject yourselves with it or these pills. Take a dozen of them and you'll be fine. The plague will be gone. And they'll be like, why should we even give you the time of day? So it's your foot in the door kind of situation. Yeah. So how many Coptics are there? It would be, a, well, art heist, I mean, they would just have enough to, you know, like one or two guys to get in the museum and get it and you know, maybe a getaway. So maybe a, a small squad at the most, maybe five. Assuming that most players are in groups of six, so there's actually less optics than there are players. They just have surprise on their advantage. Right, right. Yeah, this is an art heist. They're not coming in, you know, for a war. They'd done their research. They realized that this painting was there and, oh, ours was lost. We'll just take theirs. They don't need it. They're not us, you know. You know, that typical Coptic superior attitude. Well, they, they come by legitimately. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, they, they are, you know, essentially a trained terrorist. I mean, they come roaring in with shock, uh, shock tactics that, that have been developed successfully over hundreds of worlds. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they come into a, into a city which does not expect this to happen. And, uh, and they're, they're resolute enough to be willing to do whatever it takes in order to get the job done because, you know, God is on their side or God will forgive them for anything that they do because... Well, see, this is a religious painting to them, too. On their world, it would be well. I'm so, saying they want this painting. They, have a, yes. they, they probably feel they have a right to have it more than the people who, who own it on this planet. Right. It's like, yeah, these people are dying anyways. What good is it going to sit here? We're going to be back in our world yeah. and appreciate it and love for what it is. And they're not Coptics. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're secondhand Christians at best. Oh, we don't mean to badmouth our Sicilian listeners. <laughs> I wasn't referring to the Sicilian aspect of it. I'm just saying it's kind of, you know, ironic so close to the, to, to the core of the Mother Church, you know. That yeah, right. Yeah. That's the secondhand Pope you got over there. <laughs> Your Pope's oh, not as good as our Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, yeah, well. Well, she's she's much better than yours, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm reminded of the old skit. I think it was on Second City with Pope Nelson. You find out she's Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, look, uh, Trav, looking at uh, actually a quick you know Google of Byzantium art, a lot of it is either um, mosaics, which means it's on a wall. They're taking the yeah. wall, or right. it is manuscripts. So actually, making saying a poster makes sense. It is one is this big manuscript, illustrated manuscript that was taken out of the book because people do that all the time and made okay. it into a into a painting. So it's not on canvas; it's on parchment, oh. which makes it even more delicate. Yes. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. I'll let me scribe that in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, basically uh, it's it's probably one of those one of, it was probably one of those giant giant you know big books big books of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Right there, right there with all all the one all the ones of the the chubby angels and the and the and the uh, you know the, the the fat naked ladies, right? We're, we're, those, we're talking. Uh, about, what's the term? Um, Rubenesque. That's it. I, I thought it was Buccini, but okay. But we're talking. We're also Eastern Orthodox. We're talking an Eastern Orthodox Bible that probably took at least three acolytes to carry. Oh no, no! I know <laughs> Eastern Orthodox roles. I, I've, I've been to enough churches and see them, and they're just like, yeah, uh, no. But I with this, the the Sicily and the painting, they clicked instantly. Mm-hmm. The one part I had to try to find to put in there was Kieran Shaw, and I had to go in the sideway with him being a chemist. Oh. This, the other two, just for me, just boom. Okay, those I got. That for for Vermissitude, he gets kidnapped by the Coptics. Another reason to go after them. He is a doctor who knows stuff. Yeah. And, and the Coptics don't know what he knows. We already, we already established that. Okay. I do like that because, yeah, being a partist. Well, because we, we've already established that the, the Coptics don't have quite as high technology as yeah. Prime. So, yeah, somebody who can make medicine. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's just a bonus prize, especially, say, if, well, because let's say they did manufacture this plague to try to get in and get this uh, religious painting. Well, they'd still want him to make a cure for them, for them, in case, let's say, you know, something happens and, you know, there's a biological mishap. Well, this guy can make plenty of drugs and we can treat our people in the event something like that happens. Or we can hold the ransom saying, we have this cure if you give us this. I mean, like Bruce said, the Coptics are willing to do anything. They're not just always going to come in and gun everybody down and ask questions later. They'll do things like, yeah, we've put the sickness in your population. We have the cure right here, you know. So, yeah. If they have a guy making medicine for them, so much the better. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so added that possibly could be a copter-induced virus. Getting the painting back will help them get the cure out on this world. And the mm-hmm. possibility of Kieran Shaw also getting kidnapped for his knowledge. All right. It also so- sounds like there may not be an ambush waiting, because if there was an ambush waiting, they would have ran into it coming here, unless the Coptics are being really cagey about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Coptics, you know, this is, you know, like a heist film, you know, where just they plan mm-hmm. everything. But they knew if they'd get IDET coming back after them, Oh. They come through that portal after him. It's like, and here's, you know, 20 Coptics, all the guns. Or it could be even worse than that, Trav. This is a, uh, this is a, this, this is a, this is one of those uh, you know, wild hair missions. Basically, they're going, hey, you know, it'd be good. We can get this. We can get, we can get better with the, with the prelates and the, and this, we get, get this picture. Yeah, let's go do it. This is that, not an official mission. This is something they cooked up themselves. Oh, this is the, this 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 is not this is not your ordinary heist mission. This is um oh, what's the Clint Eastwood movie with the ger- German gold? The Dirty Dozen. Oh God, Kelly's oh. Hills. It's Kelly's Heroes. Kelly's Heroes. Well, it could be. Sure. They're going behind the lines. They gave themselves gave themselves a, a Byzantine picture, and then they're hoping that. You know they they can get back and get back and not get caught. Well, yeah, to come back and bring back a picture from an alt that that was lost on their world. Oh no, that's brownie points is the understatement of the century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, which may uh, mean there isn't folks waiting for them. It may also be folks looking for them. You know. Technically, they've abandoned their posts, and they're now AWOL. I'm not sure what the Coptics would do to somebody who's basically left and looks like they're defecting to the enemy. But, you know, that's just me. Well, no, I mean, pretty much the Coptics, if you defect from them, yeah, you your life is forfeit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an overcall. Uh, uh... Yeah, overcomplication, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would not assume that the anybody from the Coptics was ever on the bad side of the the, the general uh, you know view of their own uh, nation, their own. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it would be slaves wanting to leave. But if these were people born and bred on Coptic Prime, no, it, the brainwashing is near complete. You are there for the glory of that God. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to grab a group of people that. Uh, that you're trying to do that with, they would be slaves who are seeing this as a means of, of gaining their freedom. Right. 
we gave you this, you can let us go. Come on, we brought back an artifact for you that was lost on your world, and we happen to know it was here. Well, not necessarily let them go, but at least let them move into the, you know, in, into the, the tradesman class. Move up. And look, we brought a new slave who knows how to make medicine. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's another way of going. I mean, you know. That's a, it, a bargaining chip there. Yeah. A, a, a painting once thought lost and a guy who can make medicine. Yeah. That, that again, that's easy street for them. What did you say? The tradesman class? I'm just saying is that usually in in cultures you'll have like the slaves and then you'll have like tradespeople you know shopkeepers people people who artisans people who have expert skills ah freedmen yeah well they may not be free freedmen can also like be farmers but I'm just I'm talking specifically about people who have certain skills that are not directly linked to like growing food or being in the military. And I'm thinking of the, the, the Taken. I have a unique set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I will find you. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think you want to hit all the tropes in this one because it is said Mount Etna. And, you know, people always say there's a volcano in the story. Oh, no, it, it is an active volcano. It actually, <laughs> the summit has gone down 21 <laughs> Uh, okay, but but I don't think a volcano should be considered to be Chekhov's gun. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, I I just put that there, Sicily. Okay, and then I look. Wait a minute. What? Oh, look. There's this city of Asarial, and I wikied that up. And yeah, and okay, and so yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not planning to put the volcano in as part of the yeah. event that that's scenery. But you GMs out there. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> unless you want to put the uh, portal on the edge of the volcano. Well, it's at like the foot of the vo- oh, the edge of the volcano. No, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean the 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 mouth is gone or the the wind up or whatever? Yeah, uh, just tumbled down. The- well, yeah, it's right. not that four <laughs> feet. As long as you program it to have to work within that four feet, then you're okay. And if you're smart and use the cable system to bring it back, you know, as soon as it goes through, it throws the cable back. So it can always get pulled back through by the cable. So you, you really don't, you won't lose it. Just simply. That depends on when you set this, because, I mean, the original yeah. early folk, you know, they were pretty dumb about things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to lose a couple wind ups before you realize, oh, yeah, we really need to do something to make sure it comes back. Yeah. yeah, especially when it's a warp, you know, and there's a drop. Yeah. Well, especially when you consider how expensive these things are. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You know, the first couple, all right, all right. After the, after the second one goes, like, okay, guys, you do realize these are a million a pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a, a simple wind-up. The, the wind-ups are they, – because they do, they, they do all the, – this is basically – we're having the Victorians make them because they know how to do these better than we do. They also have the skilled tradesmen to do it too. Right, but let, let's let's not get off subject here. But yeah, I I was not planning to have the volcano as part of it more than just scenery of the area. Since you said Sicily, yeah, Mount Etna is the most prominent geological formation on the island, and it's the tallest. Yeah. I think it's the tallest it's, mountain in Italy, other than the Alps. So. So yeah, I just I just put it there and on the edge of the portal, the portal on the southeast foot of the mountain, and then that's near where Asa Real is. So, yeah. 
Now, is it, a, is, it, is it a warp or is it a ring? Or it's probably a warp because it's probably the ring station is probably under six feet of, lo- of basalt, basaltic lava. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I made it a warp. I mean, I, it's an active volcano, but what was the last eruption? It erupts pretty frequently, actually. They're, they still deal with ash and stuff on a regular basis there in Sicily. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, it probably it might very well be under uh... quite a bit, yeah. Minimum like 25 said. feet. <laughs> well, obviously, yes. It, yeah. I mean, they're still getting ash every so often in Sicily. So, yeah, it's quite an active volcano still. Yeah. So, yeah, I, oh, I, do, like, I do like what you guys added to it. I mean, it, it, some of the things were like, ooh, yeah, and other things are like, yeah, I didn't think of that. So it was, you know, <laughs> a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. Well, it gives you just more stuff to do with the uh, when you write up the adventure. Yeah. Yep. All right, who wants to go? All right, do you want to go, John? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, let's dice for it, because I want to go next. All right, I got, <laughs> I got a six. Beat my six. Ten. I was rolling a six-sided die. Do, you, do I need to roll a 20? No, 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 I rolled I roll these. We're not doing the bigger gun thing here, guys. Pick a common hey, double. Hey, I, I, I got four. I can invoke I, Savage World rules, and I can say it exploded and roll again. <laughs> I wrote a four. You get to go. You get to go, Bruce. All right. All right. Okay. So mine was Abraham Lincoln, a haberdashery, and a Zippo lighter. Okay. So um, the air was hot, hot the way only an Indiana summer could be. We pulled into Little Pigeon Creek and was surprised to see a huge line of folks at the local grist mill. Near the front was a gangly 10-year-old kid with a shock of dark hair and a big bag of corn far too big for his frame. Apparently he had better things to do because he practically threw the corn into the mill, attached his old horse, and started smacking it on the hindquarters with a stick to get it going. Fran was beside herself with this animal cruelty, but then the shocking thing happened. The horse jumps up and plants a huge hoof at the center of the kid's forehead. His head snaps back and his body follows, throwing him at least ten feet. The folks in line rush forward to calm the horse and check the boy. He's dead! Someone shouts. Go get his paw or ma! And they drag the body over to some shade, but it was so terribly limp. So, a simple gather information type check finds out that this person, he has the name of Abraham Lincoln, a rather unimpressive boy. But if there's just a chance, a really good chance if you start doing more research, that this could actually be a future president. So the team has to decide whether to resuscitate the boy because he looks pretty dead. <laughs> the question is, how much advanced tech are they willing to use? Because they're surrounded by a lot of people. If they fail or succeed, this draws the attention of a townsperson, a haberdasherer was keenly interested in their actions. They noticed that he keeps opening and closing a Zippo lighter, a kind of a, almost a habit, a, a, a habit of stress, you know, a, a nervous habit. A history check reveals that the Zippo lighter wasn't invented on most worlds until 1930. The team is invited back to the shop, his shop, the haberdashery, where they're given an opportunity to buy a, a, a number of nice chapeaus. They notice a number of items in the shop are anachronistic, especially the appearance of a number of aluminium pieces that he calls chrome steel. 
The haberdasher, no fool, will confront the team when alone about their outworldly origins. Seeing himself or herself as the uh, protector of this world and also exploiter, he won't have any truck with anybody exploiting these people. There's a number of traps in the shop that will be triggered remotely in a battle royale if the interaction goes south. For personal weaponry, that Zippo is actually a hand blaster with a set of iron sights in the top that snap up when he pulls that, that when he snaps that top really hard open. If they survive, a lengthy follow-up investigation reveals that this person is quickly accumulating wealth by purchasing businesses and introducing the novel concept of the assembly line to create items for sale in the large market of Chicago, a short train ride away. This person can become a Trek support person for iDebt, but it's really more of a free agent. That's what I got. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. So this guy is just from another world, and he brought some stuff with him, just like... Just like you got, just like the iDebt people do. In other words, he's an independent explorer. Okay. Yeah, so... I think one goal is to find out where is he from because, you know, accumulating wealth uh, from here, he, either he's planning to set himself as a, as a dictator of some sort or, or or at least a controller of things. I don't know how you want to put it. Put it. World Conquer is the really grandiose version of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, basically an exploiter because this the time is um, uh, 1819. Uh, and so it's, it's way before, you know, the, the Civil War. Uh, but there's a lot, you know, they're right in the middle of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And, well, yeah, the assembly line was what? 1900s. Yeah. So we're talking century earlier. Yeah. Perfected 1900s. Really? I mean, when, when the Winchester rifle was an early version of that and there are elements all around, but yeah, he's actually, he's, he's, he's doing the more finished version of it. Right. Well, the Winchester rifles, 1873, John. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's at least 50, 50 years ahead of this. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think Henry Ford pretty much perfected quote unquote, what we know today yeah. is the assembly line. Right. Yeah. I mean, most places before then, what they do is that they would make something and so they would like you know they would tool all the parts together and they'd make them one at a time and then move on to the next one and then move on to the next one. So if you wanted fifty cars, you had have, you'd have to have fifty car makers in order to make it because it, it took a long time to do it. Instead of one car maker with you know with fifty semi skilled uh, employees, you know to uh, to 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 work on a, a whole bunch of cars and a whole bunch of parts being manufactured. You know, one you know in, in, in multiples. So yeah, so he's that's that's kind of what he's doing. The first thing though that they're going to have to decide is: Are they going to save this kid? Find out if they find out who this kid is. If you find that out, then maybe you might think that yeah, it's really important, and that might cause them to you know be less uh, covert about you know what they're willing to do to to bring him back you know back off on you know, get him off, up off the table. Oh well, yeah, because if they use the dock box here, yeah, I think a dock box could resuscitate someone from a mule kick to the head. I mean, yeah, but he looks dead. So unless they pull that, I mean, he basically reads dead. 
you know, by the, the, the medical science of its day, they couldn't, uh, this is an actual event that occurred in the life of, of Lincoln. You know, he was uh, kicked uh, by a, a horse in the head when he was 10 years old, and, every, and he was dead for a few days, according to everybody who saw him. So this actually happened. Uh, and so he actually did manage to come back from it, but I'm sure that a lot of people thought he was dead initially. And so the team should, you know, would be should be led to think so. Unless they resuscitate him, they should assume that he's going to be permanently dead. Yeah. Well, I would think. I mean, they would still probably. I mean, considering who they pay, I would think that they would do everything in their power, and possibly, I wouldn't say blow their cover, but at the very least, they would sit there and it's like, okay, we need to be alone. Let us take a look at him as soon as they get everybody out. Okay, get out the dock box and let's get going. Yeah, I, I I really think as soon as they find out who this boy is, they would they would jump on this. Well, I just wonder about how you know how much privacy they're going to get, considering they're a bunch of complete strangers in a small you know uh, close knit you know uh, uh, rural town. You know, they especially rural Illinois. Yeah, they, they everybody knew everybody and everybody knew everything. Yeah. See. And they and they didn't take much, you know. Con- they didn't take kindly to a bunch of strangers trying to take the body of a ten-year-old boy off into a room to do who knows what to it. Well, I wouldn't say take in a room. They'd just say, "Okay, y'all need to leave. Let us take a look at it." And that's never going to happen. They're going to they're all going to stand there and watch because nothing more interesting is happening today. Yeah, you got you got a kid kicking the head. Yeah, the old the old uh, the. The Lincoln, the Lincoln kid. You know, he's he was always kind of funny. <laughs> so, so what we have here is that we have you know a team that's that's basically facing another uh, explorer. Now, there's only one of them, but he's got the home. He or she has the home advantage. Yeah, because you know, as, as I said, they've got this haberdashery all tricked out with traps and such. Because you know, this haberdashery knows about French pirates. You guys could have been French pirates. I mean, the main reason that you got invited back to the haberdashery was because you tried, assuming that you tried to save this kid. Now, of course, if you don't do that, then the whole mission, the whole adventure kind of falls flat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Unless, of course, uh, this, this person goes and does the resuscitation themselves, and then the team see that, and then they follow the haberdasher back to the haberdashery and try to investigate there, and then they run into all the security measures that they've got, uh, this guy's got, or woman's got built into their very unassuming looking shop. And as they're sitting there on the floor after something goes off, one looks in and says, you know, I don't think this guy's just a simple hat maker. <laughs> yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, 
we'll be having your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.